Welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Chelsea Killick and I'm the Operations Director of the Initiative. Today I'm joined by our Executive Director Oliver Hartrich and we'll be talking about his new column in the New Zealand Herald. Welcome Oliver. Hi Chelsea. Now, your column is about the government's proposal for a New Zealand history curriculum. These plans have created a bit of debate when they were released. What is happening to history teaching in our schools? Well, currently we don't really have a curriculum for history teaching. Actually, we don't really have much of a curriculum for the social sciences. They fit on one page A4 for all 13 years of school. Mm. And so the government, about a year ago, committed to introducing a new curriculum specifically for teaching New Zealand history. And just a few weeks ago, they released the draft documents for consultation. And the proposals the government put forward have created a bit of debate. Basically, what they say is that um, we should be teaching New Zealand history with a focus on Maori history, the effects of um, colonial rule in New Zealand, power struggles between the British and Pākehā on the one hand and Maori on the other. And these are the basic concepts, really, of the proposed history curriculum. And historians like former Labour Cabinet Minister Michael Bassett and uh, Nationals Education Spokesperson Paul Goldsmith himself, a trained historian, have pointed out that this might not be balanced enough in their view, because especially Paul Goldsmith pointed out that there are some aspects of New Zealand history missing from it, for example, economic development, economic history. So many commentators have actually pointed that out and said it's a little bit one-sided and therefore um, we should probably go back to the drawing board and add a bit more diversity into that proposed curriculum. Okay, so there's criticism that the New Zealand history curriculum may be a bit unbalanced, but your problem, as you describe in your column, is something else. Can you explain? Yes, uh, that's right. Um, I I didn't really want to get into the debate that Michael Bassett and Paul Goldsmith started. I think it's uh, very well placed with them as um, trained New Zealand historians. My problem is something quite different. I actually wonder how possible it even is to have a separate New Zealand history curriculum if we don't have a world history curriculum as well. The problem is we need to contextualize everything. Otherwise, you would kind of think this uh, New Zealand history only happens in this vacuum, um, but you would be unaware of what's happening in other parts of the world and what has happened in other parts of the world. So I think typically what we do in any subject is we're starting with the general knowledge and then we go into the details afterwards. And I wonder whether history, New Zealand history, is any different from that. It sounds a bit abstract. Um, could you give us a few examples of what that would mean in practice? Yes, it does sound abstract, I know. So, okay, let me give you a few examples. My favourite question in all of world history is really going back to economic development. And the late British historian Angus Madison, he did a lot of research on economic development really since ancient times and tried to reconstruct economic activity going back to Roman times, to the year zero. And what Angus Madison presented us with um, was a graph that showed that basically for most of human history, there was hardly any economic development. Economic growth was really very limited from year to year until roughly the 1700s. And that's when it takes off. The whole graph looks like a hockey stick. So basically nothing much happening. You had Roman times, you had the beginning of the Middle Ages, you had the end of the Middle Ages, you had the Reformation, you had the Renaissance, and at the end of all of that, GDP per capita was roughly where it was in Roman times. And then come the 1700s, and suddenly something takes off, and economic growth increases massively, life expectancy shoots up, health um, shoots up, 
everything shoots up, literacy. Um, so suddenly wealth takes off and it doesn't take off uh, universally, it takes off in Britain and then spreads across the European continent, it spreads to America, it spreads to the British colonies. And what I think we need to explain then is actually what happened, because it is such a seminal shift in world history and human history. And if we don't have this background knowledge, for example, you would struggle to understand why the British even suddenly arrived on these shores in New Zealand. So I think we need to have a bit of background knowledge of world history, of world economic development, for example, to even understand what actually led to the colonial history of New Zealand. It's very interesting uh, to understand how unusual our economic development has been over the past 300 odd years. But how does it matter to students today? Well, I think students today would have to know something about that to even understand their place in society and in history today. Because otherwise we take things for granted. We would think, well, it's always been like this. Well, actually it hasn't. The world today is in a very unusual position. Actually, the last 300 years were probably the most unusual centuries in human development. And I mean, we're going back to the arrival of Homo sapiens on this planet about 200,000 years ago, we had the first civilizations about 4000 BC in Mesopotamia. And really, it was only the last 20 or 30 generations that economic development really took off. And we stand at the risk of taking all of this for granted if we're unaware of it. And I just want to give you one example. Take the Sun King, Louis XIV, so King of France over 72 years, actually, from the 1600s until the early 1700s. He was one of the richest um, people of his time, and he led a lavish lifestyle. Now, just imagine Louis XIV meeting the richest person on the planet today, and that's Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder. What would impress King Louis? Well, I would say that King Louis would be impressed seeing that Jeff Bezos has this little thing in his hand with which he can take pictures and he can <laughs> talk to far away people and he can read foreign newspapers and he can use it as a translator. Um, he would probably also be surprised that Jeff Bezos has this thing on four wheels and it just drives and he has a little thing in his kitchen and he just has to switch it on and things get hot in the microwave. And he would be quite surprised to see all of these inventions. But then King Louis would be surprised that it's not just Jeff Bezos. It's basically billions of people having access to exactly those same technologies. So the spread of wealth from the feudal rich to the democratic many um, that is something that I think is quite unusual. So when we're discussing inequality today, for example, it would be worth putting this into its historical context. Actually, if you take it historically, I think we have never been more equal as a society than we are today. It's not to say that it's perfect, but I think it's worth keeping that in mind that, if, that we've actually democratized wealth and prosperity. Interesting. So what you're saying is that students would need to know about these historical matters and facts to have a better understanding of the present? Absolutely. They would have a better understanding of the present. They would also probably better understand the political system in which they live. So think of history as the long struggle for freedoms, for rights. Go back to Magna Carta. That was when the British nobility demanded from King John to get some procedural rights in, in court trials. Well, that was novel and they had to fight for it. And they got the Magna Carta, 1215. Think of uh, the American Revolution, where the American revolutionaries basically wanted to have protection from the intrusions of the state. And they put this into their Bill of Rights in the end, and uh, the American Constitution. Uh, but they had to fight for that, or take the suffragettes, um, women fighting for their rights to vote, for what broader social rights in, in uh, society. Now, we could take all of this for granted today, 
if we were unaware of the fights that had to be fought to get all of this, all of these liberties and all of these rights. So I think it is important for students to know that they can't take any of this for granted, that it was hard fought for and that it's probably worth fighting for to keep it. So back to the New Zealand history curriculum then, what should be done about it? Well, I think it is vital for the New Zealand history curriculum to put it into this context of world history. It is also to immunise us from some of the bad episodes of world history that we've experienced over the past centuries. I mean, to take one example, we have seen a lot of surveys internationally in the last few years showing a resurgence of kind of sympathies for socialism, especially in the younger generation. So the younger generation that is relatively historically unaware, they suddenly think the socialism stuff sounds really interesting and why don't we try it? Well, it would be worth telling them that it's been tried before and it didn't work so well. Right. Um, so I think pointing that out to the young generation would actually help us inform them of how societies work, what experiments we've had in our past and what has worked and what hasn't. Mm. So I think it is really important to put this into context. And as far as the New Zealand curriculum is concerned, well, what chance would we really have to understand New Zealand history if we just looked at it isolated from world historical developments? Well, thank you, Oliver. I guess we'll watch the school history debate with interest. For now, thank you, Oliver, for joining our podcast, and thank you all for listening. You can find Oliver's column in The Herald on our website, and for any thoughts, comments, and feedback, please get in touch with us at www.nzinitiative.org.nz. Ka kite anō.